Hello and welcome to the Meditation Conversation, the podcast to support your spiritual revolution. I'm your host, Kara Goodwin, and today I'm joined by Kelly Smith. Kelly is the founder of Yoga For You and host of the chart-topping Mindful in Minutes podcast and its spinoff, Meditation Mama. Kelly was first drawn to yoga as a teenager when she saw the therapeutic mental and physical benefits the practice had on her mom during her battle with breast cancer. Several years and over 8,000 hours of teaching later, what began as a modest studio in the rural Midwest has evolved into Yoga For You, a location-independent yoga and meditation school that has served thousands of students located all through the U.S., Canada, and the U.K., And so this is a great conversation with Kelly. We talk about therapeutic benefits of yoga and meditation. She talks about that in terms of her mom's cancer journey. Um, We talk about the importance of connecting to your true self. And we explore the challenges and the rewards of pursuing one's purpose, um, even when it doesn't make sense to other people. This episode is brought to you by Codex Beauty Labs. I'm so excited about this treasure I've discovered. Codex products address key skincare concerns and conditions including eczema, psoriasis, sensitive, dry, and inflamed skin. The brand has been heralded by dermatologists for creating effective, clinically proven skincare. I also love that Codex is dedicated to protecting biodiversity. Codex adheres to the highest standard of sustainable skincare and biotech plant-based alternatives to restore and protect the skin barrier and support a healthy microbiome. All products contain sustainably sourced ingredients from the forests of Patagonia to the bogs of Ireland, are packaged in plant-based tubes, and work to reduce carbon footprint. I personally am loving their Shant line, which integrates concepts from Ayurvedic medicine and plant sciences. Find information about Codex in the show notes on the sponsors page at themeditationconversation.com or at codexlabscorp.com and use code meditation20 at checkout for 20% off. And now enjoy this episode. So welcome, Kelly. I'm so happy to meet you. Hello. It is so nice to be here and to get to connect with you like in person. How fun. I know. This has been great. We've been back and forth over email quite a bit and you contributed to the Meditation Monday series. So I'll have a yeah. link for that in the show notes. Um, why don't we start with what you witnessed with your mom's yoga practice during her breast cancer journey and how it all kind of began for you? Sure. So Um, When I was 16, my mom was diagnosed with stage three breast cancer, and I had been practicing yoga before that, but I was there, I was there for like the stretch. I was an athlete and, you know, I was there for like cross training for my sports. I was even, you know, a Shavasana skipper. I admit it. I was one of those. No kidding. And and that was like, (laughs) (laughs) for like a 15 year old, like high school athlete, it is not the best part. Right. Um, But you know, it's funny because if you would have told me then that now basically what I teach is meditation, yoga, nidra and restorative yoga, there's a lot of Shavasana going on there. Um, But no one just ever educated me on like 
the why behind it. But then when my mom was diagnosed, um, we had to, you know, after surgeries and things like that, we weren't doing like a vigorous vinyasa practice. That was the first time my eyes are really opened to some of the softer sides, some of the more like therapeutic sides that can come with a practice, whether it be just really gentle, intuitive movement, or even just like visualization and how um, guided meditation. I remember, I believe she was in a trial where they were doing um, acupuncture and some guided meditation and looking to see what that did, with like her white blood cell count and seeing how it could kind of boost immunity um, during someone's um, kind of treatment journey. And so my eyes are really open to this existence of the softer side of being able to use your mind. And I didn't know it at the time, but some of the things that I was reading about, because this was a good, you know, a 16, a good amount of time ago, long time ago. Um, but it wasn't just like you go online, you look up, there weren't like podcasts or there wasn't anything there. And so what I was coming across and the techniques and things that I was using just kind of as my own um, life raft at the time navigating this um, journey that I was on, they were meditation techniques or even just kind of self-awareness techniques. And I didn't know it at the time, but then later when I learned about it, I was like, oh, I've done this before. Or, oh, this is you know what I used to do when I was trying to just sit and feel how I feel. And I didn't know that what I was doing at the time were some more meditation or mindfulness-based practices. Oh, wow. Well, how how did things go for your mom? Um, they went really well. She's in remission. She's now the greatest Grammy ever. Um, so we we live pretty close to each other. So she comes over and helps babysit and we're very close and she is so supportive. She's oh, like, I'm so happy. Mindful in Minutes is number one fan. It's really sweet. Oh, I love that. I'm yeah, so it's really happy special. to hear. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. That's amazing. So I know that, you know, as you mentioned, you kind of meditation is a big part of your your yoga journey because you are the founder of Yoga for You. And I know that you specialize more in kind of the meditation yoga nidra, as you were mentioning. Um, can you talk about some simple meditation practices that actually stick in case there are people who maybe don't have like a, a really consistent practice? Yeah. So I think always just starting very simple. So when it comes to starting like a simple practice that you'll stick with, I think kind of releasing expectations, being kind to yourself, um, you know, looking at a few different things. There are some specific techniques, but even looking at how long you're meditating, like studies tell us that eight to 12 minutes a day is enough. So saying, I'm only going to meditate for 10 minutes and let that be enough and let that be plenty. I find in terms of techniques, like guided meditations are such a great place to start. They're suitable for anyone at any level, but if you're really just starting, I think having a practice like the ones that you've collected for the Meditation Monday series that you're doing, like where people can just pull it up and hit play. It's, I think that's such a great place to start because you don't have to overthink it. You don't have to think, oh, what's my point of concentration going to be? What am I going to focus on? Someone's done the heavy lifting for you and guided meditations are not cheating. I hear this sometimes. Do you ever hear this? Oh, really? Yeah. I I don't think I have heard that. Oh. Um, I, but I, sometimes people will also say that like using props in a yoga class is like cheating too. Oh. Um, 
but I, it's just, we to be so hard on ourselves. I know. And it's like, it's a meditation practice. It's, you know, meant to be this nourishing, um, fulfilling thing. But I think short guided meditations, always a great place to start. You don't have to overthink it. You can just hit play. Or if you're wanting more of a self-guided practice, I love just starting the day with like a body scan where you just check through your different parts. Like, how is my body doing today? Mm -hmm. Or just asking yourself, like, how is my mind doing today? Like, what thoughts am I did I wake up with today? Or how does my heart feel today? Like, Mm -hmm. like emotionally, how am I doing? And just doing these simple check-ins of like, how's the body? How's my mind? How's my heart? I think that's such a beautiful way to start your day. And you start with such intention and kind of in tune with what's happening within you and around you. Yeah. Thank you for that. I love that. And and I'm with you a hundred percent. I mean, guided meditations, I, I would, I'm just like so surprised to think that, you know, somebody <laughs> would think that they're not doing it properly if they're listening to a guided meditation, because there's the, like you talked about, somebody's already kind of crafted the experience so that you can just follow along. It's kind of like, you can draft behind somebody like a, um, you know, if you're driving behind a semi or a, mm-hmm. you know, a big truck and they're kind of the air, they're parting the air for you. At, <laughs> so you get like better gas mileage because you're not having to go against the resistance of the, of the wind or of the air. Mm-hmm. So it, for me, it's kind of like that. Like you can just drop in a little bit easier because you're sort of following and then you're, you get to kind of ride the wave a little bit rather than having to be more in your, I don't know what the different center of, you know, would be where you're having to craft it yourself, but you're, you know, it's just, you're working with different parts of your mind. So, um, yeah, it's really, it can be very beneficial. And the other piece to that is, energy transmission. So if you're with somebody, if you're listening to somebody who you trust, then there are people who can transmit energy with their guided meditation where it's like not just words, but you're actually, there's a conveyance of an energy that can be really, really palpable. Um, So I just underscore your point about the the powerful, like how powerful that can be as a practice of allowing, you know, somebody to guide it for you. Yeah. And I think about it a lot as like having like a GPS. So instead of it's like someone can just tell you the route to go instead of being like, oh, I don't know, I need to go here. I'll just kind of wander and see how I get there. And that works too. But sometimes it's like we want, we just want that roadmap and we can just get on track take the route and then we've arrived. Yes. Yeah. I love that. It, it definitely can add a, a much more um, intentional part to our practice, as you said. And it's great. Like you can go out and search for specific, you know, meditations these days and, oh, I, you know, tune into yourself and like, wow, my mind is really, really overactive today. Or gosh, I need to really be lifted up. I'm feeling sad or, you know, we can kind of recognize where we are. And that that's one of the things that meditation can help us with so much is getting in touch with what is actually going on with me, because we can have a tendency to just plow through life and let ourselves stay distracted. So we don't feel our feelings and we don't notice like the discomfort that we might be feeling emotionally or mentally. And 
So it, you know, just tuning in and being like, what is it that I need? And then there's so much support out there to be able to say, oh, okay, well, I'm feeling sad. I, there are lots of meditations that can help to pick me up or help to transmute that, that yeah. feeling. Absolutely. And I think there's so many wonderful teachers too. And for, especially for a guided meditation, it's all about finding a teacher, whether it be their voice or like their particular style or the way they put together a practice. It's just like with yoga, there's certain teachers where you just really enjoy what they put together and then you're more likely to stick with it. Um, you know, if it's just like in alignment, I think there's so many wonderful teachers. And so you can try all of these different things and find the teacher that you're like, oh, I just, I really like what they're putting together. And I think it helps you to kind of stick with it as well. When you feel like you found a teacher that just is um, giving you the tools that you currently need for your toolbox. Yes, absolutely. I love that. So can you talk a little bit about connecting with your true self and living from your soul space? I know that this is really important in your work and I share that with you, you know, that this is a big, I think that that, that disconnect is actually a, a huge undercurrent of a lot of the problems that people have in their lives is that disconnection with our true self. Um, but can you explore that a little bit? how to do that, how to connect? I would love to, because this is something that I feel so deeply passionate about. Like, you know, when they tell you they're like, oh, you're on your deathbed and you can only tell people like one thing, what's the thing you're like, mine would be like, just connect to your true self and everything will get better. Um, I just feel so strongly that and and you said it perfectly that it's like, so I think so many of our problems and so many of our struggles come from being disconnected to our true selves. So, and I use true self, um, soul, most authentic self, even like highest self. I kind of use all of those interchangeably. And I encourage my students to just use the word that they're comfortable with. Sometimes it's like the divine within. Um, so whatever, anyone who's listening, whatever word you like, you can just sub it in um, for what we're talking about. But I personally most often call it the true self. And to me, this is like that part of you. It's like your soul, the part that you're born with, that little spark that's like just you. I see it in my son a lot. He's only two, but there's parts of him, like even when I was pregnant and I was growing, I could tell that there were just little parts of his like personality and who he was, even from like in the belly. And, you know, and then he came out and it's like society hasn't had a time to really like change him or mold him. He doesn't understand like that. He just, he is who he is. Mm -hmm. and, I, and I think that's so beautiful. And, and I know over time that that might change and that there will be things as he maybe goes to school or as he, you know, meets more people, as he starts, you know, talking more and being introduced to like the greater world that he may either start to second guess who he is or question who he is or become disconnected to different parts of him. But like if everyone thinks back to like a little kid, like a little toddler that they know, right? There's just parts of them. It's like, that's just who they are. And I think that if we can remain connected to that part of us, just that deep, authentic soul space, it makes so many things in life 
easier. doesn't mean it necessarily makes life easy because often life isn't easy and that's okay. That's a part of the human experience. But I think about things, you know, where I felt like um, times in my life where I felt like I was showing up being the person that like others wanted me to be as opposed to showing up as just the person that I am. And it felt very empty. Um, It felt very lonely and taking a journey to kind of connect to my true self and helping others connect with their true self is something that is so special to me and really special to watch because once you start to connect to your soul space, to your true self, it's like you don't have to um, think about who you're going to show up as. You just show up as you are and some really magical things happen like loneliness. If that's something that you struggle with, you realize that you never have to be lonely because you have yourself. You're never really alone. You have like your true self that's always there with you. Um, you start to attract people that are excited about you showing your true self and usually are comfortable sharing their true selves. Like your relationships for many people become deeper and broader. And when you're trying to make big decisions, I've been thinking about this a lot, like in parenting where when I'm trying to make a decision of what's right for me or for my child or my family, I can connect to that true self space and be like, okay, like what feels right to me and drown out the noise. Um, that's been really kind of profound. And I just feel like I have this internal well that I can like pull from when I need guidance or I need um, inspiration or connection. And that it's just, it's already within me. But for so many of us, you know, myself included, we forget that it's there or we ignore it or we second guess it and we kind of um, fight it or have this resistance against like who we really are, which can create so much strife and tension within our lives. I love that. And you're so right. It's like by connecting within us, we we can find this happiness that we just can't find when we're not being authentic to who we are. And we also give people the space to do that themselves as well, because it is like, I feel there are situations that I'm in where I feel like everybody's just looking around to like, try to see what everybody else thinks or what everybody else is going to wear or, you know, whatever it is. And, and I can do that too, where I'm like, what are you guys wearing to this thing? You know, I mean, it's not like I'm I do it too sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, what's but, the dress code here? <laughs> yeah. But you know, it's like, and, and it's, it can be easy to get caught up in as well. Like, oh, we care about this thing that I don't usually care about, you know, just being in like a, a, a setting, like a dinner party or something. And you hear people talking about things that like, you don't worry about, or you don't care about or whatever. And it's like, oh God, that's not even on my radar. Should I be thinking about that? Should I be caring about that? And it's, and it can be easy to get caught up in that. And that's where like, one of the things I value so much about my meditation practice is that I give myself that opportunity regularly to continue to come back into alignment and to remember who I am. And that helps that noise kind of, even if I get involved in the noise and it's like, you know, I start to worry about things that I don't normally care about, or I start to feel insecure or whatever it is, I, you know, that passes and I get that opportunity to come back to who I am, to remember who I am. And that stuff just sort of like sheds 
more yeah. easily and, and doesn't get the chance to build up. And I feel like we're all kind of walking or many, many people are walking around sort of with all of these layers of who, like you said so beautifully of who we think other people want us to be or how we're going to fit in or how we're going to show up. And it's really the magic is in that like really knowing who we are. And then that helps other people to have that courage to step into who they are too and to really live from that space also. Yeah, I feel really strongly that when you have the courage to let your true self be seen, that you give permission to everyone around you to do the same. And often we need someone that is willing to kind of take that leap and just be who they are, um, and let their true self be seen because it's also a piece of this is that it's really scary. Like if we show up as someone who isn't necessarily our true self, our most authentic self, if we show up and people don't like that or they reject that um, or they're not kind to that, it hurts, but it's not the same as if, you know, it's scary to say, well, what if I show up as like my true self and then people reject that? That is so much deeper and so much scarier than if you're just showing up as either a shell of yourself or, you know, a, a version of yourself, it's not quite as scary because if people reject that, you can kind of say, okay, well, you know, that's just, you know, that's, that's not who I really am yeah. and that's okay. And I think there's a lot of fear and at least I experienced a lot of fear around that of like, you know, what will people think or, you know, what will people think when I share, you know, when I, when I started yoga for you, um, over 10 years ago, kind of before it was like cool to be in this, you know, sort of space. And I had just graduated college and so many people, except for my mom, who we all know is like number, number one yoga for you. Yes. Mama Smith, we love her. Um, but so many people were like, they were so dismissive of my dream to do this and to be a yoga teacher and to help people connect with something deeper. And, um, and it was really hard and, and I was really scared at first to, you know, tell people what I did because they were very judgmental. They were very dismissive. Um, and, you know, people would say, oh, you're just going to sit and, and stretch with people all day or, oh, shouldn't you get an MBA so you can get a real job or um, just really interesting, um, not so nice things sometimes. And it wasn't until, but it's kind of funny because a lot of those people have kind of come around and watched me take my journey. And they're like, oh my gosh, it's so cool. You're like living your dream. And, and I think that me being my authentic self and me living my dream, um, maybe was, it was really scary for me, but I think it may have also been a little bit scary for others too, because I think watching someone, um, take that path or connect with who they really are can sometimes then make you question yourself of like, well, am I doing what my soul is asking me to do? Like, am I connected to who I am? And so although it does give everyone permission to do the same, I think it also sometimes can kind of shake it up a little bit where people being like, oh, like, am I fulfilled in what I'm doing? Do I feel like I'm fulfilling my purpose? And it can kind of shake those things up um, a little right. bit too. But it's it's definitely scary to try to step into who you are, especially if it's different than the person you've been showing up as um, for years and years. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. 
Well, you mentioned yoga for you, and I'm really interested in the story of your journey from starting this in a rural location in the Midwest and then growing it so much. So can you talk a little bit about that journey and and where you are now with yoga for you? Yeah. So I started, um, I did my first 200 hour teacher training as many do, um, when I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. And Mm -hmm. I had just graduated college and there was a a studio there and I was like, Oh, you know, I I like going, I don't know the, the summer between graduation, I'll be a nanny and I'll take a yoga teacher training. And, and since then I've heard so many people when they're at like a pivotal point or they're like, Oh, I don't know what to do. I'll take a yoga teacher training. And I didn't start yoga for you until several years later. And it was because of that fear piece. I was really afraid of what will people think, or, you know, I have this, I was so in my head about, well, I have this college degree and, you know, now people are thinking I'm just going to go and be a yoga teacher. And I'd, I'd really gotten in my own head about that. Um, but when my husband, he got into medical school, so we were living in Minneapolis, which is where I live now, but this was the first time we lived here. Um, he got into a medical school in a, I call it a one bar, one Walmart town, but there were actually three bars and one Walmart. (laughs) They had their like priorities, right? You you can have one Walmart, but you have to have a couple of bars. Um, But it was this really small rural town in Missouri. And I had to, I was working in management at the time. I never really moved away from my family before, not this far. And it was, you know, I had to leave my friends. I had to leave my job. Um, my husband was going to school. So I really, I had no one um, except my my fur baby that was with me. And, and I just, after a couple of days of a pity party, it just, I just felt like this was also an opportunity to pursue what I loved because I all of a sudden was alone, unemployed. We were single income. So I had to figure out something um, because my husband was now a student. And so I thought, well, what the heck? I will try. I'm going to give this a try. Um, And so I just started teaching like a class. It was a Friday evening class. I started with one class and I started teaching more and more and more. In a studio eventually, or online? Eventually. So it was just like at my husband's school. Um, But then I saw that this community had a real need and a real desire for a place like what I was imagining. So I did eventually end up opening a studio there. Um, that was the first yoga for you. And it was really kind of cool because the students that I was working with, I wouldn't have probably come across in, in my everyday life, like in Minneapolis. Um, there's a lot of fear around is yoga against my religion um, or, you know, don't use Sanskrit terms. Um, I'm uncomfortable with that. Can we teach in, you know, in common English? And my students were such wonderful, beautiful people. We were just living very different lives. And I was really challenged to expand my teaching. I think as a teacher, it's our job to just meet our students where they're at. And so it challenged my teaching, um, you know, to make it work for, for them too. And so I ended up opening the studio, but we knew it'd always be temporary. Um, cause then we moved to Michigan, I seem to only get sent to like M states. And so I ended up selling the studio and that's when, and we knew we would only be in our next place for maybe a year and a half. This was for a different portion of medical school. So if anyone listening has been on the med school journey themselves or as a partner, it's, it's a 
it's a challenging road. Um, so I really respect you a lot if you're listening and you've done that. Um, but we moved again and we we're only going to be there for a year and a half. So I didn't want to go through um, maybe opening a new studio, building up new student base. Um, so I decided to go location independent. And this would have been in 2017, um, 2017. Um, and it's when I started doing like continued ed trainings. Um, I started my podcast in 2018. Um, it, I started doing retreats. So instead of having a space where students would come to me, I started um, going different places and doing like these pop-up experiences or doing continued ed trainings. Um, and then I started my podcast as a way to continue to share guided meditations with my students back in Missouri. Um, and it just continued to grow and snowball. And since we knew we would be moving again shortly, um, I just kind of stuck with that location independent model. And then we moved back to Minnesota the second time and then it was the pandemic. And then we were all location independent and I was also pregnant with my first child. And so I wasn't doing any traveling and it just continued to grow, um, into what it is today, which looks mostly like uh, my two podcasts, Mindful in Minutes, and then Meditation Mama, which is prenatal and postnatal guided meditations, and then doing trainings, so like meditation teacher trainings, um, virtually traveling every once in a while, and then um, retreats a couple of times a year. So still, I've, I haven't had a physical location um, for Yoga for You since like 2016, 2017, and, and I'm really happy with teaching that way and particularly meditation, yoga, nidra, things like that, since they're mostly an audio medium, it lends itself really well to being able to teach and share um, from anywhere. That is beautiful. That's it's, I love how you have been able to adapt to what's, you know, what life has presented for you and still stay aligned and still answer the call you know, where it could be so, like, I've been in that situation where it's like, okay, well, I'm moving to support my family, you know, because my husband needs to move. Um, and then there's a giving up of, you know, what, what we are doing. And that's part of the discussion. Like it does, at least, you know, with our, we, <laughs> we didn't have to go the way that it's like medical school type of thing, but it was like, oh yes, I I want this opportunity too. But we do give up, um, you know, where what we're doing, and it has come up in the time since I've kind of started my podcast and I've started my. I like this location independent. I always say online, but um, you know, Borrow but I have location independent. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Um, but you know, like I've built up my stuff and then there has been discussion over time, kind of pre-pandemic where it was like, okay, are we going to move like far? And, uh, and it's kind of like, it's, it's a decision like, okay, I've been building something here, you know? So what does that mean? Um, yeah. so and you, and you get so attached to your student, like, it's yeah. such a beautiful community too, which is, you know, the, for me, that was the hardest part of like creating a studio the first time and then selling it and leaving. It's like when you're working, when you're location dependent, you have such a special little beautiful community and connection with your students. And it's really hard to, to leave that and, and to start all over again, building something new. But I have a lot of respect for you because it's hard to, it's really hard to be, um, 
moving and you're not the one that the move is for. Yeah. That's a, it's a hard place to be in yeah. at times. So hopefully your husband's very appreciative of the sacrifices that you make for him. Yeah, we've it's it's been a win-win. So so that's good. But yeah, it does it's have good. its challenges. But it's funny too that um you were you had this kind of like resistance to opening a studio when you were in Missouri because of the things that you were saying, like, you know, I have a degree and is this the right thing? But it's like, that is badass to open a studio, to open, like to have a physical location that you're responsible for. And maybe you had some staff and, you know, you had members. And I mean, it's, that's a lot. Like that's, um, I mean, I, I look at people who have opened studios and I'm like, oh my gosh, that is such a, a huge undertaking. And like, they sh- you should be so proud to have done that. Well, I appreciate that. That's really kind. And I, you know, the biggest piece of it, it was, it was more of a me problem than an anyone else problem. And I think at the time, and, um, you know, I was in my early twenties then, and I, I was still doing this kind of self-discovery, like connect with the true self work. Mm-hmm. And I had just started and there was still so much fear in my heart and in my mind around what will people think? And if I, and I just had a lot of like external pressure um, of people thinking that's, you know, that I should like do more than what I was doing, which in hindsight is disappointing. Um, But I also let that, like when we were talking about, you know, being able to turn inward and connect with the true self, I now think about it as like putting on noise canceling headphones. And like, I didn't quite know how to do that. Like the noise will still be there. People will still have opinions, no no matter how connected you are to your true self, people are going to have opinions about things. But going through that journey, and I would have probably done bigger things faster had I not been held back by my own fear of what will people think. And, um, and also fear of, can I do it? Which is, you know, it's the first few leaps are usually the hardest because you're like, Oh, I don't know. I've never done this. I, yeah, there's just a lot of fear. And for me, like fear is important um, because, you know, of course there's that fear that like keeps us alive, but I think it's important to be able to look at the fear and say, you know, is this a legitimate fear or is this a fear that's potentially just a self-imposed roadblock Um, and being able to look that in the eye and decide, you know, which category does it, does it go in and what do I want to do about that? But you know, if my like 24 year old self, 25 year old self, um, would have heard you say that, like, that's so badass. That would have like made my, made my whole, I've been like, someone thinks this is cool. This is so, you know, good. But it's just, again, it's like connecting to that true self space. Like now I just kind of willy nilly for better or worse. I'm like, I don't know. I'm feeling pulled to do that. Like when I started my podcast, I was like, I don't know, I'm going to start a podcast. Like, Five years ago, no one really knew what a podcast was. And they're like, oh, you're on the radio. The hardest part about a podcast in 2018 was just getting people to figure out what it was and how to listen to it. Yes. I I started but, in 2018 too. And yeah, so I you know, her. it's like, yeah. <laughs> they were like, what is that? Yeah. Which is so funny now because I'm, yeah. you know, it's like commonplace now, but it just, it was a lot of fear. Yeah. I wonder too sometimes how much we misinterpret fear. I mean, not that 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 is a logical thing to be like anytime we're taking a big step in a in a new direction, there's gonna be fear, but there's also gonna be a fire and like a 
you know, a passion and an excitement. And I think that those things can kind of overlap. And so because they're, they have touch points, you know, energetically from an emotions perspective, maybe, you know, if anybody is listening and they're going through that right now, where it's like, they're taking some leap into something and they're really like identifying with it as fear. If it can be something that's like explored a little bit more where it's like, is this like, is there a lot of excitement here that I can, I can kind of just turn the prism of my perception just enough to like focus in on the excitement and the, the passion, you know, and, Mm -hmm. and like a little bit less focus on the fear, you know? Oh, I love that. I know it's like my good old therapist will always tell me it's never about this up here. It's usually about something that's down here. Yeah. And we just have to kind of lift the lid off of what's up here so that we can see what's actually down here. Because emotions and feelings are very complex. Like yeah. we have a handful of very kind of like primitive feelings and emotions, but often it's so complex. Like you look at, you know, resentment, like that, that's a very complex feeling. It's a very like nuanced feeling. And you have to kind of look at like resentment's the end point. So like what stops along the way got me to the end point of this thing. And and although fear can be one of those kind of very primitive, you know, we have, you know, it's it's our amygdala responding to a trigger, a fear trigger. But have you read The Yamas and the Niyamas by Deborah Adele? No, but I'm familiar okay. with the Yamas and the Yamas. Yeah. Okay. So I think you would like that particular book. It's Well, it's one of my personal favorites, so I'm biased, but she has a line about fear and she says there's two types of fear, the fear that's keeping you alive and the fear that keeps you from living. And I think that, which I love, and it's like, which is true, right? If I'm swimming and I see a shark, the fear that I'm feeling that says danger, get out of the water, that's keeping me alive. But my body will process the same kind of fear if if I have a dream of something and I have a fear that people will reject me for that dream. That's not the same thing as I'm swimming and there's a shark. Like that's a fear that's keeping me from living. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think that I – yeah, that's always stuck with me because when I feel fear, um, although it can be a primitive emotion, it really helps me to look at – all right, is this fear keeping me alive? And sometimes it's, you know, yes, because we don't want to go straight up just like reckless. Um, But often the fear that we feel the most and for the longest is the kind that's keeping us from living. And I've always, you know, trying to put it in one of those two buckets has always kind of helped me. But I loved how you described it, like, you know, kind of rotating the prism a little bit. Um, Because once you put it in the, it's the fear that's keeping me from living bucket, then we can dig a little bit deeper into that. Like, okay, what's actually underneath the surface? Oh, I'm afraid people are going to judge me. Oh, I'm actually afraid that I'm going to judge myself. Oh, I'm afraid that maybe my friends don't want to be my friends anymore. Oh, I'm afraid that um, I'll, I'll look silly. Yeah. Then you, and then once you name it, like fear lives in the shadows. It's like mold (laughs) where it's like, it thrives in like the dark back part of like your Heart's refrigerator, where it's like that old cheese is just hanging back there, and it's just like it is thriving back there. That's what I think. Oh, so awesome! But it's like that. Like it just it thrives in that deep 
back forgotten, neglected part. And once you bring it to the front and you're like, oh my gosh, look at all this mold. Like once you bring it into the light, once you do something like, to me, that's naming it and saying, oh, I'm actually afraid that I'm going to look silly. Or for me, often I'm actually afraid I'm going to flop and I'm going to fail. And I'm going to try this big, huge thing and it's going to flop. Like once you shine light on it, it, I think it becomes so much easier to navigate. Yes. That is so valuable. Thank you. That's wonderful. So can you take tell us how people can connect with you and find out more sure. about you? Sure. So everyone is welcome over. Come check out Mindful in Minutes or Meditation Mama if you're in that kind of prenatal, um, postnatal, or kind of fertility um, stage. I would love to have you in either in my little corner of the internet. Um, there's just lots of guided meditations over there. Um, otherwise, you can connect with me on Instagram. My handle is at yoga for you online or my website if you're interested like in trainings or retreats, that's yoga for you online. But just come hang out. Let's meditate together. Um, all are welcome. Come as you are. We'd love to have you. Wonderful. Well, thank you, Kelly, so much for being here. I have loved connecting with you. Oh, thank you for having me. This was the highlight of my morning. Oh, yay. (laughs) I hope you enjoyed this episode. I'd love to ask you for one quick favor, and that's to share this episode with one person who you think will benefit from it. Let them know you're thinking about them by sharing this episode with them right now. Thank you, and I look forward to the next meditation conversation. 